Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning, and a good Tuesday morning to you. Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Great to have you with us. As you know, we come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We always ask, please subscribe to the program. If you prefer to join us in podcast form, Spotify, my son asked me last night, are we on Apple? Yes is the answer. Google, whatever. Just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman. You're dialed in. The Bengals had the day off today before getting to work tomorrow for their second meeting this season against the Cleveland Browns. They've lost five in a row to Cleveland. Zach Taylor confirmed yesterday that starting tight end Hayden Hurst will not play this week after injuring his right calf in the first quarter on Sunday. The number two tight end when the season began, you may remember, was Drew Sample. He's already out for the year with an injury. Mitchell Wilcox, who's played a lot this season and has done a really nice job, especially blocking in the run game, will now take over as a starter. Devin Asiasi will be his backup. And by the way, Kansas City Chiefs safety Justin Reed apologized to Hurst during the game for not knowing his name. Remember all that last week? Just when you start, you want to give some, some you know, kudos to Reed. You know, classy move. But Paul Fritchner, <laughs> moments ago, that story now has taken another twist. Correct? Yeah, Good yeah. morning, Paul. Good morning, Casey. Good morning, morning Brandon. Good morning, Tom. Uh, yeah, uh, one hour ago, actually, he Justin Reed hopped on the Twitter machine at 8.58 this morning, and he said, unpopular opinion. We lost, but I was still right. Cry about it. <laughs> Doubling I mean, down. You know, uh, after he got dribbled. Now, I will say, he didn't play all that terribly, but the highlight of the game was him getting bounced off yes. the turf. So, yes. Yes. tough, tough to tweet Samaj that. P. Ryan. Tough to tweet that. I just don't get it. John Harbaugh told the Baltimore media yesterday that Lamar Jackson is now a week-by-week decision after suffering that knee injury on Sunday against Denver. It's more than likely, Harbaugh said, Jackson will not play this Sunday against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Tyler Huntley will start in his place. He led the Ravens on that game-winning fourth-quarter drive in the final seconds to beat the Broncos. Huntley started the final five games last year. Some said he didn't win a game. That's incorrect. He beat Chicago the first game before losing the final four to end the season. The Steelers opened as a three-point favorite in that game. Now, last night in Tampa, and we're going to get to this a little bit more later, but Tom Brady rallied the Buccaneers down 16-3 to in the final five minutes. He throws two touchdown passes. In a one-point game, Brady passes Peyton Manning for the most fourth-quarter comebacks in NFL history with 44. College football, you see officially announced Scott Satterfield as their new head football coach. Satterfield, as you know, left Louisville to take this job and said yesterday his number one priority right away will be recruiting from the transfer portal, which opened for players yesterday. The voice of the Bearcats, Dan Horde, will join us at 11 o'clock to talk about the hire. By the way, you may have 
seen the Clemson starting quarterback. Now help me here, okay? DJ Uyangalele. That's big time right there. That's big time, boys. Nailed it the first time. You did. Not even going to try it a second time. He announced that he's in the transfer portal yesterday. Hmm. Interesting name there. Ohio State has lots going on outside of playing in the college football semifinals against Georgia at the end of this month. The guy highly regarded as the best receiver in college football after having nearly 350 receiving yards in the Rose Bowl last year, Jackson Smith and Jigba, preseason first-team All-American, announced that he will not play in the game against Georgia. He's virtually missed the entire season since injuring his hamstring against Notre Dame in the first quarter of the first game. He has gone to see three different doctors about this from coast to coast and has been told it would not be completely healed in time for the game. And for all the haters out there that are bad-mouthing this kid, you need to get a life. <laughs> you need to get a life. He wrote a beautiful letter yesterday on Twitter to Buckeye Nation. This kid's a gamer. Everybody says he's an incredible kid, good student. He's got to get ready for his life, and that's the NFL. Let it go. OSU offensive coordinator Kevin Wilson has been hired as new head coach at Tulsa. Now, Wilson was a head man, you may remember, at Indiana for six years before arriving in Columbus. Ryan Day is actually the play caller at Ohio State. You can take it to the bank. Brian Hartline will replace Wilson as Ohio State's offensive coordinator. And Buckeyes quarterback C.J. Stroud will join the leader of men. TCU's Max Duggan, USC's Caleb Williams, and Georgia's Stetson Bennett, a walk-on Bennett, as the final four candidates for the Heisman Trophy Award. Three of those four, of course, have led their schools to the college football playoff. The winner will be announced this Saturday. Lots going on in baseball. The spending spree officially in high gear, not even 24 hours into baseball's winter meetings. The Phillies give shortstop Trey Turner an 11-year, $300 million contract. American League Cy Young Award winner Justin Verlander joins the New York Mets two years, $87 million. Clayton Kershaw, one-year deal to stay with the Dodgers, $20 million. And Mike Clevenger, who was so dominant uh, during his tenure in Cleveland, went to San Diego at Tommy John surgery, came back and pitched last year. He's out the door headed to the White Sox on a one-year deal after two years, only one where he actually pitched in San Diego. Big numbers right out of the gate today in the chat room. Sir Boy Wonders there, right there. What's well, a day that ends in Y? He's here. He's Jordan here. Earhart, leader of men, nailed it. Max Duggan. Uh, Don says, I like that Bennett fellow. What's not to like? He's everything that is right about college football. He really, in, in fact, all four of those guys, now I don't know much about Caleb Williams. I know he was at Oklahoma, and he went with Lincoln Riley to USC. But Stetson Bennett, Max Duggan, C.J. Stroud, all that is right about college football in every way. Great players, great kids off the field. They come from very different backgrounds, the whole nine yards. Happy for all of them. Williams, I think, is the odds-on favorite to win it. But I made the comment yesterday after watching Duggan on Saturday, even in a loss, their first loss of the year to Kansas State, that guy is a guy I would give the Heisman Trophy Award to.
Gentlemen, how are we looking? Tom, we're looking great today. We're looking just... You, and you got some new decorations there in front of you. We do. Uh, uh, they were they were here when I got here, which I assume you guys had done some decorating around them. We got Joe Burrow, we got Marty Bredeman, we got some, we got Reed Mouse back in the old days, and we have the Tracer, who will be joining us today as always at eleven thirty from California. He informed me that he's staying at his brother's house in California oh. while they're out there. His brother is a policeman, and he said there's guns everywhere. No way. I, I said, God bless him. So last night I was about to, I was about to fall asleep last night and I got an alert that there was a police chase in LA going on. So I flipped on YouTube <laughs> and I watched the police chase for about 40 minutes. The guy gets on the freeway. Dude, you need to get a light. Drives about, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Drives about 90 miles an hour down the freeway for about 25 minutes, right? And he's in a, he's in a white, it looks like a Ford Bronco with the oh, cap on the truck. OJ. Yeah. OJ. Al Cowan. <laughs> AC. And so he gets off the freeway, barrels through a gate into the park, the parking lot of Angel Stadium, drives all around the parking lot, and the cops don't have an angle to cut him off, blows through the gate back out, gets back on the freeway, and does another 20 minutes back up toward L.A. Nothing like wild. L.A. Nothing like L.A. And then just got out, blew out a tire, and then they just got out, put their hands up. There were five of them in the car. That is not <laughs> too far because Angel Stadium is down in Orange County. That's in Anaheim. Yeah. Right, right across the street. In fact, the stadium is right across the street from Disneyland out there. And, and that's basically what California has become, a Disneyland for the wackos. Jordan Earhart knows. The whole he state, top to bottom. <laughs> a lot of guys are leaving on a serious note. A lot of guys are leaving L.A. and leaving California, baseball players. And it was talked a great deal about on this Trey Turner thing. That wasn't his sole reason. But uh, he met with the Padres. They really wanted him. Uh, and a big thing is this income tax in California. When you tack on the federal tax, you tack on the state tax, you tack on the city tax, um, they're taking over 55% of every dollar that you make in California. 55 cents on the dollar if you're in the highest tax bracket. Which these guys are. Which these guys obviously are. I mean, think about that for a second. The government is taking 55 cents of every dollar that you make. And I know this to be an absolute fact. There was a broadcaster named Victor Rojas who was with us for a short time in Arizona. His dream job his whole life, his dad, Cookie Rojas, played in the major leagues. His dream job was to broadcast one day for the Anaheim Angels. He gets a job with the Texas Rangers after he leaves the Diamondbacks. He goes and gets the job with the Angels, moves his family there. He was there for four years, and he watched 55 cents on every dollar he made go out the door in taxes to the feds, the state, the city, the county. And he said, adios. He left his dream job and is now the general manager for a minor league team in Texas. Yeah. Double A, I applied to that team. Frisco. Frisco, the Rough Riders. Right. That's wild. I didn't know that story because I saw... That's a fact. I had talked to him a couple of times when he was out in L.A. I never met him, but I talked to him just over the internet a couple of times. And then all of a sudden, it just came out of nowhere on my LinkedIn feed that he was going from the Angels to being... Yeah, the, I mean, he said, you, he said you just couldn't believe it. You work your ass off, and, and the government's taking over half of what you're making. Wow. All right. All right. Uh, let's go... TheMorningLine.substack.com. Paul Doherty, legendary 
columnist, over 35 years from the Cincinnati Inquirer. Doc, uh, you had it going on, man, uh, starting with the Bengals. Uh, you wrote a couple of columns about it, including asking Chiefs fans the simple question, who's your daddy? <laughs> 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 well, yeah, who is it? Who is it? Uh, it's it's uh, probably not Josh Allen, I wouldn't think, you know. Um, who else could it be, Tom? Who else well, could, could be the Chiefs' daddy? They all, they made the comment uh, the other day that uh, it's the first time ever uh, in the very short career of Patrick Mahomes, uh, but it's the first time ever that he has lost – um, to the same opposing starting quarterback three consecutive times. And, of course, all three happened in this calendar year. It was weird. They played in January in the regular season, later in the AFC Championship game, and now before we reach the end of the year here in 2022. Uh, you know, Doc, uh, Samaj P. Ryan, and you touched on him right in the very first paragraph of the column, uh, and, and what to do now with Samaj P. Ryan knowing that Joe Mixon, who led the AFC in rushing yards last year and has been a very, very good player, he's been a good citizen, in all fairness, to Joe Mixon since he's joined this team professionally after the questions coming out of Oklahoma. But, you know, coaches, they, they walk a fine line, Doc, about, you know, Mixon's a starter. Does an injury allow him to lose his job? Should he get it when he comes back? But I don't know about you, but when I watch the Bengals, they look like a different team with Samaj P. Ryan. Well, coaches also say, you know, production dictates who plays. Um, P. Ryan has, has, frankly, outplayed Joe Mixon. Uh, it's not just about uh, him, his attitude, and what he brings to the table intangibly. Uh, it's about the fact that the other day he was he was a, the best running back on the roster uh, and. I don't know if I if I'm Zach Taylor, I have something going right now, and, and maybe it's just coincidence that P Ryan happens to be the running back when he has something going. But I I'm not sure I mess with that. Plus, I I love the guy. I mean, who could not love that guy? Um, not only does he lift up cars so people can change a tire who don't <laughs> have a jack, not only did he do like pull-ups from the second floor balcony of his house when he was a kid. Uh, but oh, oh, by the way, he runs for over 100 and catches 50 yards more in, in passes, and, and really r runs like we've said before, like he like he being chased by the CIA. I, I mean, uh, I love watching this guy play because he's never really down until the whistle blows. You know, Doc. I also think, and you've you've talked about this, although I think it's a very real word. It's an overused word, but I think it's a very real word in real time, in real life, and that's identity. When I watch the Bengals play, and I'm not suggesting for a second because Joe Mixon is a tough guy. He's a hard nosed, tough guy. But Samaj P. Ryan, when you just sit back and watch their offense. Now, a lot of credit goes to the line. They're playing much, much better. But with P. Ryan in there, they take on the look, at least when they run it, of a Titans-like smash-mouth sort of football team that I'm not so sure they've had that look even going back to last year during the Super Bowl run. You agree with that? I, yeah, I, I think P. Ryan definitely moves the pile. And he, to me... He's a great example of a guy who has simply been um, 
I don't know if overlooked is the right word, but really not given uh, as big of a chance as he probably deserved. I mean, this is a kid who ran, ran for 427 yards in a game as a freshman at Oklahoma. Uh, he had 600 yards as a rookie, fourth-round draft pick rookie when he played for, for the uh, Redskins commanders uh, four years ago. Um, I, he's never really stuck, and now I think he has a home. And I think we see the way he runs is kind of a reflection of how his career has gone. Constantly having to prove, you know, week in and week out, play in, that he deserves to be there. I, I think you want 22 guys like Samaj P. Ryan on your team. All right, so what do you do? I mean, what does Zach Taylor do if, if, if this week against the Browns, Joe Mixon is totally cleared out of uh, concussion protocol, are, are are you are you splitting snaps? Are you giving P Ryan you know seventy five percent mixing the other way seventy five percent? What do you do? What do you think he's gonna do? Maybe maybe you maybe you reverse the roles, Tom. Maybe you assign mixing the role that P Ryan had before. I mean, there's always room for more than one running back in a, in a, in a backfield. Uh, not not at the same time anymore, apparently. Uh, but but certainly spotting one guy. Uh, in certain situations. The problem is, I, I don't know where, if you look at it and you say, well, Mixon's a better pass receiver. I don't know. Is he? I, maybe. But I, anyway, I, I would I would use, for the time being anyway, I would use Joe Mixon in the same role uh, P. Ryan was used uh, before Mixon went out with the concussion. I want to ask you just uh, a question philosophically, which I got into a little bit yesterday, and that is Travis Kelsey. Now, look, I, I acknowledged right away he's the best tight end in, in the NFL today and has been for a number of years. He will go to the Hall of Fame one day. Ironically, he won't even be considered the greatest tight end in the history of the Kansas City Chiefs because that's the greatest tight end of all time in Tony Gonzalez. But Kelsey is a guy who loves the limelight. He loves the spotlight. He loves getting out there and talking to the media and doing this and doing that and commercials, and God bless him. But the second he commits a fumble, he ducks the media after the game. Were you surprised by that? Do you have any thoughts on that? No. I mean... No? I mean okay. Well, what about guys that do I, that? You know what? I, I, I get your but never thought that these guys have a, a big responsibility... They don't owe me anything. You know, I never thought that. A, and I never held it against the player who didn't talk. If you don't want to talk, you don't want to talk. Right. Um, I, I, I agree with your premise, though. Sure, if you're going to if you're gonna want that spotlight when things are going great, you probably ought to want it when things aren't going great. Um, but that that's not something that I really dwelt on a lot okay. when I was All doing right. I, I mean, I'm with yeah. you. I, and I said yesterday, I, guys have no obligation whatsoever. I don't hold anything against them either. If they don't want to talk to the media, don't talk to the media. But, man, I, I got to tell you, I, I just think it's pretty weak when, uh, when, when you know, you're standing there answering questions when everything's going good, and all of a sudden you don't show up when things aren't so good. But we, we move on uh, to baseball. Um. I got to tell you, Doc, uh, I think it's the reason that this day game continues to lose popularity. Uh, I mean, God bless them all. Trey Turner, 11 years, 300 million. Justin Verlander at 40 years old when the season starts, two years, 
85, 86, 87, 88 million. God bless them all. I'm all in favor of, of everybody making as much money as they possibly can. But when you're sitting in small market blank, fill in, and of course we're here in Cincinnati and we fit that bill. Uh, I mean, here we are in December, and I think we already know based on what the Reds have told us they're in a rebuild again and so on and so forth. But you're saying to yourself, we got no chance. And, and that is a sport when you have X number of teams saying at the start of the year, we have no chance that is not going to be gaining any popularity anytime soon, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. We've said this for years. And the contracts have only gotten bigger. Uh, every time Trey Turner or whoever you want to say, uh, um, Justin Verlander does what, what those two guys did the last couple of days, just a, uh, another nail in the coffin of, of, of a small market team. Um, and there's really no way around it. I, I think that I think the notion that a small market team can win a World Series these days is is very unrealistic. I think you get your you get your Rays and occasionally you get the A's and you get uh, the uh, Brewers. These are teams that can keep you interested probably for six months. Can they win a World Championship? Maybe not anymore. And I think that's sad. I think you're absolutely right. The economics are, are, are among other things, are, are kind of, I wouldn't say killing the game, but they hurt the game. And, and they have to find some way to, to, to do better about fixing it. Because you can't, every, every team, and I've written this for years, every team needs to go to spring training with hope. Yep. If you don't have hope, I'm not sure what the point is, especially if you're a fan and what, what the economics of the game have done and have been doing for a long time is take away hope. Um, you can root for the Reds, and, and I suppose you can have hope, but it depends on what you're hoping for, I guess. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I hope it doesn't rain on the night I want to go to a ball game. You know, I, I hope that I can look at this and just enjoy it for the sport and, and not for the winning, that kind of thing. But for championships, with teams like the Reds, after what has just those two, um, you're going to be disappointed a lot more often than not. Uh, you talk about hope. Um, what's the hope in Satterfield being the coach at UC? I don't know. I, the hardest thing to do is, is to, to rant about this was a bad hire, that was a bad hire, right after the guy's hired. I have no idea what this guy's going to do. I, I mean, I can I can offer an opinion that I thought they could have done better. Uh, I don't think that this guy is necessarily uh, going to further the program. I mean, Luke Fickle's a very hard act to follow, obviously. Um, uh, if Florida Atlantic, Tom, could get Tom Herman, uh, how come UC got a guy who's 500 at Louisville which as which is as dysfunctional an athletic program as exists these days. I, I, I don't know. And I, it's, it's not fair. And I wrote that yesterday. Yeah, it's, it's not fair to judge the guy before he's even put the whistle on. He may be a great coach. Um, he may be able to guide them successfully into the Big 12. Uh, I, I just thought that they could do better than a 500 coach at a place where the football program is not in nearly as good a shape 
as the football program is here. But we'll see. You know, I can be wrong. I hope I am. I hope I am. Well, I, I, I just think that, 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 that you're spot on in that regard. And I, and I just say to myself, you know, you're coming off a college football playoff. You're the first non-Power 5 conference team to ever do it. Uh, it was just one of the most extraordinary feats in the history of college football. There's no question about it. The first and maybe the last, probably the last, but you never know. But I just sit here and I say to myself, whether you're a Deion Sanders fan or not, the fact is, even at a lower level, his team went undefeated this year. Um, he, he, he obviously is able to recruit like crazy, especially inside the transfer portal and get kids who are leaving uh, Oklahoma and USC and all Texas and all these places to come to Jackson State. We're looking up his contract details and he's making about $5 million a year. And I say to myself, well, I don't know what the economics are at UC, but I say to myself at the end of the day, and again, I'm not judging Satterfield and what kind of coach, because we might be sitting here in two years from now saying he's even better than Luke Fickle. And I hope we are saying that. But I just say to myself, if you're going to go out and spend three and a half on a coach or four on a coach or whatever it is, I would have brought in Deion Sanders. Well, that assumes that Sanders had the interest. We don't know that. And right. Nor do we know, but I, I suspect that name image likeness had a little bit to do with that, as it has a little bit to do with just about everything in, in college sports these days. And if, I, if I'm if i a UC fan, I, I'm, a, I'm a little concerned because I don't know that 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 program, that university has the financial wherewithal. To, to be able to compete with the big boys. Um, and that's what it's going to take. I, I don't know that, you know, they, they don't have T. Boone Pickens down the street in Terrace Park, right? Right. Um, and the, the major donors to this program, I don't know if they're tapped out. That's possible. But more likely is they've just said, you know, I've, I've, I've done all I can do at the time for the time being. I can't do any more. And at that point, you leave it to, to um, Joe on the street to give 100 bucks. you know. Uh, remember Clemson way back in the day had this thing called IPTE? This I'm dating myself, but IPTE stood for I pay 1000 a year. And the, that was the kind of the way that they raised money. UD uh, needs to come up with something like that. I don't know if they're, if they're nil slush fund or whatever you want to call it from the collective which is the group of people who are raising this money to pay these kids i don't know where that stands i don't know how much money they have in comparison to say colorado uh who knows maybe they tried to go after Dion, but just couldn't pay him enough i i have i have no idea but i do think that given the current situation there that's a reason for concern in terms of, of hiring quality coaches and hiring great high school football players all right doc thank you for your time as always always a pleasure having you on and uh enjoy yeah, no. the rest of your day there's no golf today so you won't be cleaning golf carts today no no i will not no golf carts to clean today brother i think i think i'm done for the for the uh, season you never know, Doc. I mean, I don't know what your policy is over there, but if one of those days pops up where it's, you know, 55 and it's supposed to be today and again tomorrow, not raining maybe tomorrow, uh, you know, maybe people show up. 
Well, I love my job and I'm, I'm loyal to Hickory Woods and, and I'll do whatever they want me to do because I'm just that kind of guy. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Doc, have a good rest of your day, man. All right, Tom. Thank you. All right, buddy. Themorningline.substack.com. And it's great because Doc's writing, you know, I mean, I think mean, he's written like three or four columns just in the last 48 hours. A couple of them on the Bengals, one on the UC job. I uh, can't remember what the other one was. Uh, but it's great stuff, and I enjoy reading them every single day. To Doc's point about paying Scott Satterfield or paying Dion, Scott Satterfield's contract uh, the first year is three point four million, and Dion got five point nine. Yeah, it's a big difference. Big difference. Yeah, big difference. Yeah, I mean Colorado, you know, it's the biggest. It, 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 it it's the biggest school in the state of Colorado, which is an uh, ever expanding, growing state. Denver becoming one of the huge cities in America. Uh, a lot of money out there. Uh, and, and, and here at UC, and people don't want to hear it, um, you know, they are way down here compared to the big state school in Ohio being Ohio State. And so, you know, you, you're really in a, in a tug of war for money. Uh, the whole Clemson thing's an interesting thing, because if you go back and you look at even Obama a number of years ago when he ran for president, uh, part of his big fundraising was getting the people to give you know, $20, $25, $100, and all that money started adding up. Maybe UC, maybe they have something like that. I don't know. I used to spend money at UC when my mom was still alive, and I bought her season tickets to UC basketball games. She had to give a certain amount of money to the athletic department, UCATS, to get them. This was before the football program got it going. This is back in the days of hugs. But um, I think it's a legitimate question for guys like Jeff Weiler, Larry Shakely, those are just a couple of names that come to mind. They're probably, I'm guessing, the two biggest donors to the whole program uh, down there at UC. Uh, Shakely, for sure. Weiler, for sure, was on the board of directors there for a long time. There are others. Um, but when you keep going back to the wealth over and over and over again, um, sometimes, you know, even guys with a lot of money look at you after a while and say, man, you know, I... I just can't do anymore. I, I can't continue to do this year after year after year after year. Whereas at the University of Colorado, maybe you have a thousand of those guys, a hundred of those guys, 50 of those guys. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not going to sit here and judge a hiring of Satterfield because I'm with Doc. I don't know anything about the guy except for what you and I read. Um, you know, some people say he was on the warm seat, warm, not hot at Louisville after going in seven and five this year, back-to-back -back losing seasons prior to that, but the program was an unmitigated disaster after uh, that outlaw Bobby Petrino left there. Uh, and, uh, I mean, really, think about that for a second. Petrino and Patino. Does Patino end up back at Louisville? I think there needs to be a serious conversation. He needs to get back there. They're there is no I don't. Way. I don't think although at Louisville I'm not gonna say I don't no think you way. should say there's no way you're right you're right I correct I'll correct myself right after the words come out of my mouth because at Louisville anything is possible I'm not gonna say I wouldn't be shocked if it happened and if it happened sooner rather than later really so you yeah. got some info inside I don't, info on that you made it sound like you did Paul not Fritzman. necessarily Casey I just, does he sound like he's got inside info there 
I guess if he sounds very confident. I yeah, guess he does. It, I guess if reading reading a lot. I mean, I read a lot about. I follow it because I just think it would. It's a fun storyline. And Patino seems. You know, he's done the round. He went over to Greece. He did that whole thing. Now he's at Iona. He's been at Iona. It's a one bid league. You gotta win that league to get into the NCAA tournament. Got to get him back to a high major program. Kenny Payne's not going to get it done. Well, there's some baggage here, man. Oh, there is. There's there is. A lot. There's there is. a lot of baggage here. There is. But I'm just saying, Kenny Payne doesn't get it done here in a year or so. And, and Cardinals fans, you know, there's going to start being a little two trippy. or 3,000 people down there at the Yum Center. There's no question Patino can coach him up. He is one of the great coaches of all time. And I mean just basketball coaches. Period. Pro, college one of the best of all time, no doubt. And he'll get in the door to parents. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> and the recruits, too. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, and the recruits. He'll get in the door. Oh, yeah. All right, uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the Bengals, about this upcoming Browns game, the Hayden Hurst injury, um, a little bit about the game last night in Monday Night Football because – it, it, I'm not going to say it was a season-saving game for Tampa Bay, but it was against an opponent that has had uh, their number. Uh, and Brady throws two touchdown passes, two touchdown drives in the final five minutes. But there was a play in that game. And I only watched the last six minutes. It's all you needed to watch. There was a play in that game, which I, I, I still can't believe, that involved the Saints running back Mark Ingram. Um, and, of course, it all adds up to another primetime loss for Andy Dalton. He thought he had it. I, I mean, I don't know. When you were watching the game with six minutes to go, uh, we'll get into all this in a minute. Okay. Uh, coming up at Dan Horde uh, at 11 o'clock, the Tracer. We've got his card up here, Tracy Jones. You know, I just really feel happy for Tracy because it really looked like the last time we talked to him last week, it really looked like life was wearing on him, and he just needed to get away. And get on needed back. to get away. He just needed yeah. to get back. He's done on the nothing road. but get away. He just needed he to get back so, on vacation. He worked He's, so hard. He worked really hard. He looked. It looked like life was getting him down. He needed another vacation. I'm glad. I'm glad he got out to California. Agreed, Casey. Agreed. Okay, good. Well, you guys are the biggest suck ups I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's pathetic. Pathetic. We're ham and eggers. The ham and eggers. <laughs> Trace will have a lot to say. He, I mean, he texted me last night about 1045. Oh. And he's talking about staying with his brother and his brother being a policeman out there in Southern California. The whole scene out there in Southern California. That used to be one of my favorite places in the world to go. I, I couldn't run to a plane fast enough. All the years I did baseball to get on that plane knowing you were going to San Francisco Los Angeles, San Diego, ballparks, cities, weather, all of it. It was fantastic. And that place has gone to the absolute tank. Brutal, the cities. Brutal. It's sad. It's really sad. We'll ask the Tracer about that and more coming up at 1130. We'll be right back on Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. Boy, I, I, every time I see that, it makes you smile. He has just got such an infectious smile and laugh. And so kind to him to join us a couple of weeks ago on the big interview. Tomorrow, very interesting tomorrow. I took a lot of heat 
from some of your friends over at Xavier. Which, by the way, before we get any further, okay, this is a very, very big day. It just came to our attention, thanks to the dunce who's standing there with his sign. Brandon Sayo, let's take that shot, please. Happy birthday, Paul. You ready, Casey? Brandon, here we go. go. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Paul. Happy birthday to you. Any any words of wisdom? Thank you, everybody. The Tracer will have something to say about that later. I'm sure he will. 26 years young. Yes. Let's hope the insurance the next kicks Bob in. Bob Costas right there. <laughs> yeah. Paul Fritchner. Jack of all trades. Play-by-play man. Yeah. Leader of men. Yeah. Who did? Hammenager. Sean Dixon let us. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, happy birthday. Thank you, Tom. I, I appreciate hope it. it. I hope it's a fantastic day. Thank you very oh, much, Do you have Tom. any big plans? Or your girlfriend have any big ah, plans? Well, anything I would just going do on? dinner and stuff. What? Nothing. We'll probably just go to dinner or something. Where, where, like uh, Penn Station or... Uh, hopefully not Penn Station. Fun, yeah, although Penn Station peanut oil, that could be an issue on the birthday. That would we could be, be testing good. that health insurance real early. <laughs> well, then, then I mean, is she surprising you for your birthday going somewhere? Do you, I mean, or, or that would be a surprise. So, you probably don't so know. She, so she Stupid te- question. So she texted me this morning. I didn't see it till I woke up, but she texted me. She lives on a farm. She texted, a what? She lives on a farm. Farm, okay. She texted me this morning at 4.30 in the morning. Wow. And said that they had an alert from the local police department that one one of her, I guess one of the livestock, one of the cattle got out, and they had to go and search for it for like an hour and a half. The so Lord I'm, will search for the lone sheep. I know. Strays from the flock. Yeah. Right? So I'm waiting on a report to hear how it went, but she had to go to school. So we'll see how awake she is at about 5 o'clock tonight when I'm off work. Okay. <laughs> well, well, happy what? birthday. If not, we'll, we'll we'll take you out some somewhere. We'll be good. We'll be good. No, no, no. We'll we'll be good. We may we'll have to good. have like Thursday night or something this week where we get Paul out for a few beers or something. Yeah, maybe we bring back do that. Uh, two beer Thursday two, or two beer Tuesday. I mean, Tuesday. all we got to do is ask Seho because he knows all of them by name. <laughs> True. The local joints and proprietors and so on. You know, I gonna... used to be that guy back in the day up in Mount Adams. Not so much anymore. Although I do know the the power broker in Mount Adams, but but nonetheless. You know, those are old people joints. Blind Lemon. Blind, and, it's a great and, spot. It's not a great spot. It is the best. If there is a the, not the Ohio University, the anything, if there is the bar in the United States of America, it is the Blind Lemon. Lizzie and I, Period. Go, Lizzie and I go there all the time. Yeah, it's the best. It's awesome. Especially when you get the fire pit on a nice night this time of year. Nothing better. Um, we were starting to talk about uh, tomorrow. So, look, some of you were really upset, and you really need to get a life. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Okay, I mean this. I said on the show last week with Bob Huggins that I was rooting for Hugs, even playing at Xavier on Saturday. Okay? That's a friend of mine. Okay? And some of you want to start dragging this guy through the dirt Back to the DUI stuff and video and pictures. I mean, come on. Get a life. Just because I said I wasn't rooting for your team on a particular night, I root for Xavier to win all the time. And you want to go ballistic and go angry. Haters, unite. 
<laughs> so tomorrow, leading up to the Crosstown shootout, we reached out to both head coaches, Wes Miller, Sean Miller. No relation, by the way. Um, Brandon, an update on, uh, on Wes Miller from the University of Cincinnati Bearcats. The head coach of the University of Cincinnati will be here at 11 o'clock tomorrow. Here? Okay, yeah. so that's well, confirmed. Oh, sorry, on call, not here in person. He'll be on, on oh, yeah. interview. Okay. Good point. We Good. know what you mean. Good clarification. So now the question is, uh, are we going to be fortunate enough? And look, I know these guys are busy. Oh, this is all tongue-in-cheek, but we're hoping, yes. right, there's a chance uh, that we can get Sean Miller on as yeah. well. Right? I had a phone call with Xavier yesterday to my guys over there to talk about it, and they're going to get back to me today. Okay. And we'll see. And, and I love Ty Miser, uh, one of yeah. the great sports information directors in the country. Awesome guy. I, I really like him a lot. Uh, we go way back, way back, back to the days when Jeff Idelson was um, – was the athletic director, and Pete Gillen was the head coach. Tom's been there forever, does a fantastic job. So hopefully, Sean Miller uh, can find a few yeah. minutes to join us tomorrow I, I, on the program. Yeah, I don't know what their practice schedule is in the morning or, or in the afternoon or whatever it is, but we are working on it, so we'll see what happens. Don wants to know, how could anybody be mean to Huggy? I mean, how, how could you be mean to Huggy? Well, to be fair to Xavier, he did – I mean, he was the – the guy on the team that they hate. Well, I, I, and I understand that. I have no problem with that. That's part of great rivalry. That's what I'm saying. He was okay being the quote-unquote villain all those years to Xavier fans, right? And that's okay. But, man, he's been gone for 19 years. He's in his 16th season at West Virginia, okay? He had one year out of coaching. He had one year at Kansas State. This is 19 years ago. You know, it was probably Paul. He just made a bunch of burner accounts. Oh, yeah. He's got a lot of rage. Speaking built up of, there. I heard uh, my man Zim Hude reached out and said someone has a, has a phony account of him. There's about seven of them of me. Uh, <laughs> but somebody is out there, you know, spreading a lot of hate, a lot of nasty stuff. Well, He's pretty good. upset about it. Oh, not no. a better dude than Zim Hude. That happened to me a couple of weeks ago, too. It's it. brutal. See, I mean, you know, again, who does that kind of stuff? I mean, who does it? Who goes out of their way to create an account of another person and try to do bad and mean things? Who does that? Somebody who has a lot of time on their hands is somebody who does it. Okay. So, um, now I'm sure I'll be killed for that rant. Um, <laughs> won't be the first time. Uh, probably not the last. So um, I'm, I'm watching this game last night, okay? And, and I watched the last six minutes, all I watched, because I really didn't care one way or the other. Um, I normally like to watch Brady, but had other things going on. So there's six minutes left to go in the game. Now, the prior two drives by the Saints, quarterbacked by our old buddy Andy Dalton, and I love Andy Dalton, um, they chew up 14 minutes of the clock but they kept getting down there we talk about red zone scoring stalling kicking field goals that's what it was but they chewed up 14 minutes so now there's 540 to go they run the ball on first down they run the ball on second down and mark ingram who's been a really good player in this league for a long long time if you didn't see the play he breaks it out to the right 
He's getting close to the sideline. And all he has to do is basically just dive forward. He gets a first down, keeps the clock burning, and the game, in essence, would have been over. It was 16-3. to Ingram runs out of bounds one yard short of the first down. The play called the next call, somebody should have been fired. Because they run a forget running again, right? You only got Alvin Kamara standing back there, right? They're going to run a slant off the right side to a guy who has not done anything the entire game. And naturally, you know what happens. They throw the pass. All right, let's go back and show it. Here's Are we going to show the yeah, run? Here's right, no, no, no. Hey, stop. Just put, the, put it up before you before – you. all right, so there you see the yard marker. It's second down. We're down to the final 540 in the game. And here's the play by Ingram. Dump it off to him. Runs to the sideline. Steps out of bounds. <laughs> now look at this. Tough. If he literally just falls forward, first down, and the game is over. He goes down on a knee, which you don't see after that. He goes down on a knee on the sideline, and you thought originally he was hurt. We come to find out after the game he was not. And in fairness to Mark Ingram, okay, in fairness to Mark Ingram, um, he profusely apologized after the game. He said, I let down my coaches. I let down my teammates. I let down our fans. I let down our city. This was a huge game for the Saints because – the Buccaneers, going into the game, were sitting atop the division at 5-6 and six on the year. The Saints at 4-8. and eight. They win that game. And they're a half game out of first place with a chance to make the playoffs through all that team has been through this year. Okay? So the third down, incomplete. Fine. But you threw the ball on third down. So what does that mean? Okay, one of two things. By the incompletion, stops the clock. If you run it, got a pretty good chance to get it. You keep the clock running or force Tampa Bay to use a timeout. And when you're down by 14, okay, or 13, with 5.40 to go, every second is gold. Okay. So they punt it. Brady goes down the field. They score a touchdown. So now you're at 16-10. They kick the ball to the Saints. The Saints run it on first down. They try to throw it on second down. They're ahead 16 to 10. Clock running. Forcing Tampa Bay. Timeout. Timeout. They throw or attempt to throw, and Andy Dalton is sacked. Okay? Now you're getting backed up. You pump the ball. And you know what's going to happen after that, right? Seen it a million times, or 44 times anyway, uh, in the regular season, breaking the all-time record formerly held by Peyton Manning. Fourth quarter comeback win by Tom Brady. Takes him right down the field, final seconds of the game, touchdown pass, game over. Classic Tom Brady. It, yeah, I turned it on right after that Ingram play. Uh, I was <laughs> – I was watching this for a different reason because I saw somebody on Twitter had like a $300 parlay to win 60-some thousand dollars. Wow. And all they needed was Mike Evans to score a touchdown in this game. And Tom Brady targeted him for that first touchdown when they were down 16-3. They targeted Evans, and Evans 
I, I don't want to say he had the ball in his hands, but it was pass interference. He didn't make the catch. And then he never got the touchdown, so the guy didn't win his parlay. So I was watching to see if that guy on Twitter would win. 16. So he's gone, if I heard right, maybe you just said it. I have my earphone off a second. I think Evans has now gone eight games in a row without a touchdown, the longest of his career. That, wow. That could be. I, I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah. I, I heard it was seven going into the game last night and thought for sure he'd get one. Yeah, he only has three touchdowns on the season. Yeah. So it's got to – yeah, he hasn't scored a touchdown since his two touchdowns against the Chiefs on October 2nd. And he scored one in the season opener against the Cowboys. That's it. Yeah. Wow. And he's a great player. But he's been hurt a lot. Um, he's getting frustrated. That team is, is clearly frustrating to watch. The Bengals will go down there, um, not this coming Sunday, but the following week. If the Bengals don't go down there and win that game 30-10, to 10, then something's wrong. Well, I won't say that because it's Tom Brady. And that defense is usually pretty on top of it. I didn't get to actually watch this game, but I do remember pulling out my phone on the ESPN app, looking at the score, texting my buddy and going, Man, it looks like Andy Dalton will finally win a primetime game. And as soon as I sent that text, Tom Brady had scored. Yep. And I was like, okay, maybe not. Yep. And lo and behold, Tom Brady drives down the field when it matters most and scores a touchdown. Well, and credit to Brady, too, because they had to score that game-winning touchdown twice. That's right. Because there was a penalty on the first one. Yep. Stadium blew the fireworks off. They did the whole nine yards. And then there was a hold on one of the offensive linemen. Had to bring it back. Scored again. And you know, um, we the that NFC South has been pretty miserable. But pretty some, miserable. Pr- they stink. We'll just put it like that. Yes. Uh, but games like that, you think might start a little bit of spark, some fire, because it was such a good comeback from behind when yep. when it mattered. Your quarterback is still Tom Brady. He's still slinging the ball. I know their offense has been shaky at best, but sometimes games like this just spark a team. And I want to just kind of mark this game in the future just to see how the Bucks do going forward. Well, the bad news for Tampa Bay is they've already been ravaged with injuries uh, or retirement along their offensive line or defections in free agency. Um, and they lost an all-pro uh, in the game last night, their tackle. Oh, wow, really? So, I mean, they're, they're, they are just, you know, it's, it's hard to watch. Uh, I really feel bad for Todd Bowles. Uh, I like that guy quite a bit. Uh, he's a man's man, good football coach, takes over. Brady decides to come back. You're thinking things are looking good. And then all of a sudden, you, you get one guy that retires out of the blue. You didn't see it coming. Um, you lose another to the Bengals in free agency. Uh, you get two starters now. Uh, that look like they might be, well, one's done for the year and another one might be hurt, hurt. So it's just hard to watch and you feel bad. And, and, and you don't want to see Brady go out this way. Uh, it's great to see him get that, that win last night. You just don't want to see Brady go out where it's, it's ugly. Agreed. And I mean, until the last five and a half minutes, it was really ugly. And that's not all on him. But it's been like that a lot of games for the Buccaneers and Brady this year. Yeah. If anyone says that Tom Brady is the one that, is making this team lose games or he's lost a step. They just clearly have not watched Tom Brady this year. I mean, it's he's literally holding together this team as best as he possibly humanly can. And it's really I, – I do feel bad for him. I really do because I didn't like seeing Peyton Manning go out the way he did. Even though he won a Super Bowl, 
he was not Peyton Manning. And right now, Tom Brady is still Tom Brady, but he's going to go down as, you know, uh, season's not over. So I can't say much, but if it continues this path and they're one and done the playoffs, it'll go, it'll look bad. It'll look bad on his career. So I don't know. That, that's my little rant about Tom Brady. Well, and plus everything he's going through uh, off the field. Uh, right. you know, I know everybody likes to make a big deal and the gossip pages and the, you know, the, 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 the rags that are out there and, and, and everything. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is uh, for anybody that's been through a divorce out there, uh, especially with kids involved, and I saw it with my parents, it is, uh, it's not pretty. Um, and I'm not suggesting it's ugly, ugly. But when all of a sudden you're used to having mom and dad around all the time and now, you know, you're with one sometimes and another sometimes. And, you know, as a dad or a mom, you're sitting there wrestling with all that and everything going on and the effects of, on your kids. Uh, he's got a lot happening. Uh, so, you know, um, the easiest thing in the world to say, well, Tom Brady, Mary supermodel and millions and millions. All those things are true. He's got it all. But, you know, uh, what's the old thing about you can, uh, you know, uh, have all the riches yet lose your soul, right? You know, I mean, who knows what's going on there? Um, okay, the Bengals without Hayden Hurst. How big a deal is that? The far bigger deal, as far as I'm concerned, fellas, and this is the Bengals report brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. They've lost five in a row to the Browns. And Since I know your it. favorite saying over there is a Brown stink. But the bottom line is they're five and seven. They've had the Bengals number. They've had Joe Burrow's number. And they're rolling into town one week to Sean Watson to try and shake out some of the cobwebs. They're going to bring that run game. And the Bengals were exposed to some degree in the run game uh, the first time against Cleveland for sure, and even the game the other day against Kansas City. A little worried, Case? I, I'm, I'm not going to do what I did last time when we faced them. They stink, but Bengals just play down to their level a lot, and they tend to stink when they play against the Browns. I think that's a fair point. I think I think for some reason in their head, when they have that first turnover of the game, both times, they just – it's like, oh, no, here we go again. That You can just kind of tell, like, physically the team just does not get into it. Um, they, they're so dependent on game script versus the Browns. Um that, that it really matters. And they are on the up and up. The Browns are played really well against Texans. Their offense is just miserable, if you ask me. I, I did not see a shred of hope. Well, they didn't score an offensive touchdown in the game. Right. So the only the, – the one hope that I have against the Browns and us being able to just massacre them – if that is going to happen, is going to be that we just demolish Deshaun Watson and we punish him because he had so many bad throws, so many short throws, just inaccurate throws, just slow balls in the air. This Bengals defense, I know they don't get a lot of turnovers, but 
this is a game that you can look at and mark on your on your schedule when Deshaun Watson comes back that they really need to create some turnovers here because the guy has not played in 700 days or whatever yep. since before last week. And, I mean, Texans defense is terrible, and he looked terrible against the Texans. So we'll see how he does against a top-10 defense. You did not answer the question I asked you. Okay. Are you a little worried? Am I a little worried? Because you can't have it both ways here. You can't say the Bengals are getting inside of Tennessee's head. Yep. Or they're getting inside of Kansas City's head. Yep. And just dispel the notion that the Browns are inside the Bengals' heads. No, I, I, I agree with that. I think the Browns are inside the Bengals' heads a little bit. A little bit. Now, do I think it'll be better this week than it was, whatever, four weeks ago? I do think so. Mm -hmm. I think this one will be a much closer game. Um, I just I, – I have a feeling that this is going to be a true AFC North battle. That's how I'll put it. But if there was any sort of hope for us to just demolish them, it's going to be because Deshaun Watson plays terribly. And I think, I think that is a real possibility. I really don't think Deshaun Watson looked good at all against the Texans. He looked really shaky. Um, I think he needs more time to, to come back and play well. But to answer your question, whether I'm worried or not. Again, we're I, waiting. <laughs> I am not worried. I am not worried. You're not worried at all. I'm not worried at all. I am... I am the average type of concern I would have week to week against any other team. Okay, that's fair. Don't worry, Casey. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at the chat. Yeah, the chat. <laughs> what? Chat Apparently, like we've hit the lottery on find love on the best dating site. And Don chimes in, I need love. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Don. I'm getting rid of that. You can find love somewhere Sir Boy else. Wonder says the Browns don't scare me. Dan is here. He is good. Thank God to get us out of this. <laughs> Thank God. Dan Horde's here to bring some, some class, some civility, some, uh, you know, just an upstanding moral character to this program outside of some of these people. I don't even know. How, who are these people that get on here with, with find love on a website? How do they get in on this stuff? They probably heard us talking about uh, marital problems. Oh, and it's yeah, like, a, it's like an algorithm. Love. All that they, marriage advice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Probably wanted us to find Well, Dan's love. a happily married guy raising his family right here in uh, Cincinnati. Dan, um, welcome to the program. Thank you for your time, as always. Um, your reactions to the uh, hiring of Coach Satterfield away from Louisville to take over for Luke Fickle at UC. Well, for starters, I was surprised only because that name had really not popped up Uh anything we saw online, any of the people I talked to. So it seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. Here's what I can tell you, Tom. When I learned that Coach Satterfield was going to be the coach, I reached out to anybody that I could think of in my circle of friends that knows the guy. I called the Louisville broadcaster. I called the Appalachian State broadcaster. I heard from Wes Durham, who calls ACC games uh, on television. I talked to the Bengals trainer who used to be at Louisville with Coach Satterfield. All of them had nothing but great things to say about him. Now, I know some people listening to this are going to go, 
well, what do you expect them to say? Or why didn't you talk to the players? What am I going to do? Drive to Louisville and stand outside the facility with a notepad and write down notes from the players? I reached out to my circle of friends. None of them had a single bad thing to say about the guy. So based on that, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, Dan, how, how much do you think, um, and it was well-documented in all the stories that were written about Satterfield on how he, he took Appalachian State uh, uh, moving from, I think it was the FCS to the FBS, if I've got the, the, the acronyms correct there, um, and took that whole program and, and what they were in the past uh, and, and what, under Coach Moore and what they are now. He played there all those kinds of things, now coinciding, of course, with UC's move into the Big 12. Are there any parallels there? Do you think that had anything to do with this hiring? Not saying exclusively, but a part of it. I'm not sure it had anything to do with this hiring. I do think there are some parallels there. He's certainly familiar with the challenge of making a major step forward and some of the things that that entails. So I do think that that's a good part of his resume. I'm not sure that that's one of the things that John Cunningham considered. I think he wanted a guy who's a proven winner, uh, even though Coach Satterfield's record at Louisville wasn't great. I think that's a tough situation, but that's another topic. But in any case, overall, he's got a very good record. He's 4-1 and one in bowl games, and he's been a head coach for a long period of time. And I remember a former UCAD who went through the hiring process saying he wanted to hire somebody with head coaching experience because that guy – has dealt with everything. He's taken the middle of the night phone call that says your star player just got into trouble. He's dealt with uh, boosters that have influence on the program. All of the things that the CEO aspect of that job entails. And I think that that was a major reason why he wound up being the guy. Well, and, and the guy that comes to mind, and I've said it all along, uh, you know, looking back, I wasn't living here at the time when they hired Brian Kelly. That's exactly what Brian Kelly was. He was a head coach and a great head coach at Grand Valley State. He goes on to, was it Central or Western Michigan? Central. Central, okay. He goes to Central Michigan, head coach there, uh, had phenomenal experience, all the things you just alluded to. And, 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 and look, is that going to be uh, exclusively the reason why you hire a guy or not hire a guy? No. You're going to take all kinds of different things into account. But, but, Dan, I think you just hit on something that is very, very important, especially where UC's football program is now, is the old adage about having uh, an adult in charge, somebody who has been down this road and all the things that come along with it. And, and look, the guy has to be a good coach. I mean, now, whether he's going to be Luke Fickle or not, nobody can answer that. Nobody has a crystal ball. But he obviously has done a good job as a football coach overall in his head coaching career. The numbers certainly say that. And again, he didn't have a tremendous record at Louisville. But there are problems in that athletic program right now. Chris Mack got bounced, and I know he made some mistakes while he was at Louisville, but I think we can all agree that Chris Mack is an excellent college basketball coach. And that program has just been going through a lot of upheaval with NCAA problems and scandals and this and that. I don't think it's the easiest place to win right now. And at least Coach Satterfield did take that school to three bowls in four seasons and was the ACC Coach of the Year a few years ago. So I do think he's been a winner. And as as for the kind of meh response by Bearcat fans, I'll say this. I've been doing UC games now for a couple of decades. I counted it up. 
I've seen nine coaching changes in football and basketball. I think it's fair to say the two coaches that received the most uh, praise for the hire or the, the two coaches that fans were most excited about were Tommy Tuberville in football and John Brannon in basketball. And it didn't work out very well, certainly, for Coach Tuberville. That was a disaster. And partly due to COVID, it didn't work out for John Brannon either. So it doesn't have to be a guy that wins the news conference. I know that Scott Satterfield didn't get up there and dazzle people. I think his answers were fine. Uh, He's not a fire and brimstone type speaker, either as Luke Fickle for that matter. So let's see how this plays out. Let's see how he recruits. Let's see the makeup of his staff. And uh, I'm certainly willing to give the guy a chance. I hope Bearcat fans, after they, you know, react to day one, ultimately will do the same. I'm with you all the way. Okay, um, Crosstown Shootout. Uh, On paper, uh, that's this Saturday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon at UC. Um, On paper, a lot of people, the easy thing to say is, uh, and we've talked a little bit about it on the show, Xavier's a better team. Paul Fritschner, who's seen every Xavier game and has seen a lot of UC games this year, says not so fast. Uh, Don't be surprised if this is a highly competitive game. I know it's a big rivalry game. Everybody knows that. From what you've seen of this UC team, what gives them a chance to win this game Saturday? Well, home field, a home court advantage is a big thing. Keep in mind the last time Cincinnati hosted the game, it was right in the middle of COVID, and it was a limited uh, crowd, so they really didn't have home court advantage. It's going to be rocking on Saturday at 3 o'clock, and that's a big thing. And I agree that Xavier is the better team right now, but Cincinnati's got some really good players. David DeJulius and Landers Nolly are excellent players. They would get a lot of minutes at Xavier. I don't know if either or both would start, but they would certainly play. Those two guys are really good players. Victor Locken is playing pretty well right now. He's had back-to-back double-doubles. He had 17 against Arizona in Maui. So you begin with those three guys, and that's a pretty good threesome. I do think it hurts that Cincinnati's top two defense. Rob Finnessy broke his foot last Friday. Uh, Neither of those guys is a big score. But the Bearcats certainly could have used their defense against some excellent Xavier players on Saturday. Um, The Bengals. Huge game on Sunday. Huge win against Kansas City. I know you're not the head coach. I know you work for the team in broadcasting their games. You also have spent a lot of time around the offensive coaching staff, Coach Callahan, the head coach, Zach Taylor. Um, If if Mixon is completely cleared, how do you think that whole thing plays out the way Piran is playing right now as far as playing time is concerned between those two guys? I think it's got to be a much more even split than it's been in the past. So let's face it, up until this surge by Samaj Piran, where he's been so good the last few weeks, when both guys were healthy, it was about eight to two in terms of touches. I haven't done the exact math, but that's about what it feels like to me. 
I think it's got to be more like 60-40 now. Still in Mixon's favor. We've conveniently forgotten <laughs> the last time he played an entire game and had 221 total yards and five touchdowns. The dude is pretty good. Uh, his peers named him one of the top 100 players in the NFL last year. So I think Joe Mixon is still the better player when healthy. But Samaje Pirine is a great complement to Joe Mixon. Their styles are different. Uh, the booming aspect of the way he runs, I think, wears on a defense. So... If I were one of those guys, I'm thinking the uh, division of labor has got to be closer to 60-40 than 80-20. Look, nobody's ever going to admit it to you or to me or to anybody else. Maybe they have. I'm not going to say they haven't admitted it to you privately. But, but, but there has to be something for the Bengals. If you're going to say, and we talked about this a little while ago with Paul Doherty, if you're going to say the Bengals are in the collective heads of Tennessee, the collective heads of Kansas City, you have to acknowledge uh, that perhaps Cleveland is in the heads of the Cincinnati Bengals. They've won five in a row. Um, I would imagine that th- there's, there's, there's got to be a little more edge uh, down at the practice facility this week in preparation for this game. 100%, especially since Joe Burrow does not have a win head-to-head against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you know how desperately he wants to get that monkey off his back. And think about the last three times that Joe Burrow has faced Cleveland. You know what the common denominator in those three games is? He threw an opening drive red zone interception on all three we remember the 99-yard pick six last year at home. Denzel Ward taking it back to the house to make it seven zip. In this year's game, they get down to about the 15. He throws a pass. T. Higgins is wide open. It gets tipped by Miles Garrett and intercepted. The game before that, so the first one in this three-game stretch, I think they're at the two-yard line when he got a pass tipped and intercepted in the end zone. Joe Burrow's thrown five red zone interceptions in his career. Three of the five are on opening drives in the last three games they faced the Cleveland Browns. So uh, Joe Burrow, whether he talks about it or not this week, is desperate to beat this team. Do you have a Heisman Trophy vote? I turned it down, Tom. I was offered the opportunity to have one. Uh, I don't consider myself enough of an expert on the entire country to fairly vote. I would have biases. Uh, based on my affiliation with UC and the fact that I went to Syracuse, not that Syracuse has had a Heisman contender in a long time. I just didn't think it was appropriate to vote, so uh, I turned down the opportunity. All right, well, let's play the game. Let's assume that since you don't have one, uh, I I know a lot of Saturdays you're unable to watch some of the big-time college football games because you're traveling to get to your Bengals assignment after a UC game on a Saturday, but you still watch a lot of college football when you get a chance. Um, You know, you got C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. You have uh, Caleb Williams at USC, you have uh, Stetson Bennett at Georgia, and you have Max Duggan at TCU. If you were voting this year, um, and if you want to clarify that, you know, you haven't seen as much of this guy, that guy, whatever, fine. But if you were voting, who gets your vote? Caleb Williams would get my vote. His statistics are far and away the best of that foursome. And he took a USC team that wasn't very good last year. They're going to play in the Cotton Bowl this year. If they didn't blow that Utah game, they would have been in the four-team playoff. So I think he's got the best combination of awesome stats and team success. Stetson Bennett would get that, you know, leader of the best team vote. But his stats are so I mean, they're still good, uh, but they're so much lesser in comparison to Caleb Williams that Caleb Williams would be my guy. Okay. 
I, I, I said, Duggan, I just think that that guy, uh, what he's done this year, that's, that's, as I like to say, Danny, a leader of men is Max Duggan. And they're going to beat Michigan in the college. <laughs> oh, hot mark take it, from Tom Brown. DCU over Michigan. TCU I heard it here first. Beat, they are going to beat Michigan in the semifinal. Danny, thanks as always for your time. It's greatly appreciated. Hope you're able to have a terrific day today, and good luck on the call this coming weekend. A double dipping, crosstown shootout basketball on Saturday, and then, of course, Bengals v. Brownies on Sunday. Thank you, sir. Always happy to come on. Thanks for the invitation. Of course, Dan. We always love having Dan Horde on. And see, that's why, you, you know, you get guys like Dan Horde on this show and that's why we're so grateful and so lucky to have. How about that note he just gave you about Joe Burrow? Would you have known that? You're a hardcore Bengals fan, Casey. Would you have known in his career he has thrown five interceptions in the red zone and three of the five have been against the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> that one hurts. <laughs> it does. It hurts. Um I, I certainly can't believe that. It's hard to believe, but it's true. Uh, when you think about it and you look back at it, I mean, and that, that's the, the thing, right? I think that's the repeating pattern that if we can break that pattern or if we can just play clean football, we can just limit the, the turnovers and the, the forced fumbles or the interceptions, whatever it may be. If we can limit that and run the ball I mean, this is a great week to, to really run the football with P. Ryan and Mixon, the way that P. Ryan's been playing. Mixon gets a chance to show us what he can, what he can do after the concussion. To me, to me, the game plan should be 60-40. Let the line, who's been playing very well, get after them. Run the ball. Let it be a slugfest. I know we want Joe, Mixon, or Joe Burrow to cook the Browns. But let's get the win. Let's make sure we get this win because that is more important than the stats right now. You get a win this week, and our odds to make the playoffs are like 85%. It's something very, very, very good for us. Yep. So yep. let's take care of business. Let's run the football. Let's get the win. We're talking about the Heisman Trophy there. Trace Fowler, who's a big Georgia guy, says Stetson Bennett has 3,104 passing yards this year, but only 321 of those have come in the fourth quarter when Georgia uh, just runs the ball and sitting on a big lead. And a lot of times um, Bennett is sitting on the bench. That's accurate. The same can be true for C.J. Stroud. I'm not sure there were three games this year, the entire year, that Stroud even played in the fourth quarter. So, um, both of those guys uh, have that. Duggan is a guy that had to come from behind week after week after week after week. They had all those come-from-behind wins during the course of the year. And he was a guy more times than not that was getting it done, having to play in critical games to try and stay unbeaten. Because you knew if they lost during the regular season, they were not going to make the playoffs. No chance. Uh, you know, Georgia could have stubbed its toe. Ohio State did stub its toe. They're still in. But I'm telling you, I, I, I'm giving that thing to Duggan. And, and I know that Williams' stats are better. I get it. Um, and, and, in fact, I think that uh, two of the three quarterback stats are better 
Uh, although the, the, the touchdown to interception ratio, I believe Williams is slightly better than Duggan, but Duggan is slightly better than Stroud. So um, I, I just think the kid Duggan uh, should win this award. I really do. And that's not taking – you can make a case for all four guys. I'd be okay with all four guys. You'd probably be okay with all four guys, no matter who you root for or don't root for. Uh, because, like I said, I think all four of them uh, are what's right um, in college football. Yeah, I really do. I, I'm just looking at the stats right now. Looking, I, I already took off Stinson Bennett just because I understand the argument, but that's the case for C.J. Stroud as well. And CJ has way better stats than, than Bennett, um, just in terms of scoring to me. I mean, Bennett only had 20 touchdowns, I think. So I just took him off the list. I think he, he deserves to be a finalist, yep. but I, just, I took him off the list cause, just because of that. And then I'm just looking at, you know, Caleb Williams, who has 4,000 yards, 37 touchdowns. Okay. He's tied with CJ. He has more yards, but... But again, ten, ten. Stroud, he, uh, most games this season, SC was playing. Williams was playing till the very end of the game. Correct. Stroud would, Stroud would have had by far, by far, more passing yards than any of these guys had he played the fourth quarter in even half of his games. Yeah, I was but, just, but go ahead. The, the attempts, the difference is 100 attempts between CJ and Caleb. So, I mean, that, that's a big deal. It's a big difference. But you look at Max Duggan, and he has the same amount of attempts pretty much as C.J. Stroud. And to me, the degree of difficulty that Max Duggan had to, be, had to go through in order to win his games, he has just barely less stats than C.J., I'm giving it to Max because he's a he's just a great character as well. I mean, like the dude took a team almost undefeated into the top four. No one had TCU. They were picked near. to finish seventh in their conference when the year exactly. began. And one thing that, that many people may be aware of, many may not be aware of. Duggan was a starter last year. Sonny Dykes takes over as the head coach. And Dykes decides the other guy's better. So the other guy starts the season opener and gets hurt. So here you have Duggan, this kid who's a fourth-year student, third-year player. He has another year of eligibility left if he wants to come back. That's probably not going to happen. But here's this kid who was a starter, thinks he's going to be the starter, and now he's on the bench. The guy in front of him gets hurt. He takes over. And Sonny Dyke said the other day when asked about it, uh, when did you know you had something special? He said, when all of a sudden we score 40 or whatever it was against Oklahoma uh, in that fourth game of the year, and we get into our locker room, and Max Duggan is reminding everybody in there, this game is not over. We got work to do. He said, I walked into my coach's office before we met with the team, and I said, fellas, we might have something special here. And Duggan is the reason why. Yeah. A big reason why. I hope he wins. And I was just – I double-checked to, to make sure that um, the rushing stats were – you know, that, that can change a lot. And to and me – And no contest there, right? Yeah. To, to me, K 
Caleb Williams has Williams 10, can run it. Yeah. Yeah. Caleb Williams has ten, 10 touchdowns. So I won't be upset if he gets it because I mean the dude has yeah almost 50 touchdowns on. He's the year. got he 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 basically this is basically a metaphor of the L.A. Fort Worth difference. Williams, glitz, glamour, big program, big name, phenomenal year. No doubt about it. And then you've got, and don't believe me, if you ever go down there, do not confuse Dallas and Fort Worth, Texas. They are very different worlds. Very different worlds. Now you've got Fort Worth, Texas, but a kid from Iowa who, you know, we we documented the story. This was a guy that had a serious heart ailment that had to be surgically taken care of during the offseason and dug it. He didn't even know if he's going to play. I hope the kid gets it. I, I have no doubt Williams is going to win it, but I hope that people take into account where you came from, what you did leading your team, um, and, and where they are today. Because Duggan will be playing in the national semifinals against the Wolverines. Dub, dub, dub. <laughs> Taking a timeout. We got the tracer coming up. Max Duggan, leader of men. Give him the Heisman. We're back in a moment. We call it the best uh, 30 minutes of television. Comes your way twice a week. The tracer. And I got to tell you, uh, every week we have him on, we have to ask him, you know, where he is. It's been, um, you know, the endless vacation for this guy. Uh, he was down in at a at a six star resort down in uh, Mexico, which he called a dump. He was down at some palatial estate that his uh, wonderful bride Danae set up, which he said was was brutal down on the west coast of Florida, had red tide and all that going on, Uh, was in a red roof inn. You just heard a clip from that. Uh, And now you are, my understanding, back on your home turf tracer in Southern California. Looks like sunny Southern California. (laughs) That's called the sun, you people. I know you don't see it much where you're at, but that's called the sun. I think it's going to be a little cold today. I think it's 76 and not a cloud in the sky. Hey, listen here, Fetternack. Didn't you wear that hoodie the last time I did? The- you uh, like I did, that and, you know, it's a Pioneer League. I asked you if you played in it. Uh, I threw right. it on this morning. I meant to put on something else. It had just come out of the washing machine. It was just sitting there. I grabbed it. So, yes, you're right. And you know what? I got to tell you, that's a good look for you. Thank all, you. all honesty, that's a good well, I'm a hoodie Listen, kind of guy, you know? It's, it's, it's kind of who I am. Guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Um, so I'm in Long Beach, California, and staying at my brother's, which there's a lot going on here. My brother's, just so you know, my brother's a, a former cop. He's ultra conservative and at his house, very nice home. My, my brother's a studly guy. If you guys think I'm studly, my brother's even more studly than I am, and that's hard to believe. But the key with my brother is he's got about 10 guns scattered throughout his house. He's saying, Trace, you gotta be prepared. We're gonna have a civil war, and you gotta be ready to go. He has a shotgun under his bed. 
He has a 22 in every drawer. He has a SIG 365 that he carries all the time. And he has his block when he was a, a block gun when he was a cop. I mean, there's guns all over the place. He actually has a little uh, in the shower. You know how you have your case, plastic case, so it doesn't get wet? Yeah. He actually has a little snub nose in the shower just in case something goes down. Come on. Great guy, but it, it's, it's out of control. It's out of control, but he says you got to be prepared. He says you, you're guilty until proven innocent. You know, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. I mean, he's got all those sayings, and maybe there's a little bit of truth to it, but enjoy staying with my brother. He's He treats me great. Uh, the only thing is every meal is guess what? Guess what he serves up? Every meal. Probably uh, not something. every meal. So, something with meat in it? Something with meat in it. Hold on one second. Here we go. You knew this was coming. <laughs> it's a prop from the word go. Yeah. What could this okay. be? What do, what do cops like? like Besides hot guns? Dogs? Hot dogs? Donuts. I was get, you took the words <laughs> right out of my mouth. I was getting ready to say donuts. But brothers walk around, want a donut trace? Want a donut? It's like breakfast, I can see, but lunch, it's like, come on, Tear. Guns and donuts. That's what Well, I mean, or, or, or you, you don't sound like you're actually, yeah, you had a little edge to your voice when you were talking about all the guns being everywhere. How, how does Danae feel about that with, with, with guns being? Is she out there with you, by the way, or you leave no, her she's back at home? No, she's staying with her sister. She, this is a little too, uh, too much testosterone. <laughs> in this household for her. So she's staying with her sister, but it's just, what's tough is coming to LA is all the drama. Yeah. I got into a bad, got into a really bad situation with my, uh, Danae's mother, the mother-in-law. Uh, now I want to throw this at you and this is the honest to God truth. I'm going to take a video of it. She went out and bought a $250,000 Porsche. Who does that? She's 70 years old with bad knees. A two, so I mentioned, I says, Debbie, I says, you're 70 years There's old. There's no way your mother-in-law spent a quarter of a million dollars on a car. Swear to God. Swear to God. You know what? Because she corrected me. She said, because I, I says, Debbie, you can't spend two, because I'm a financial advisor. That's what I call reckless spending. Okay. Right. She spends two fifty. I says, Debbie, I says, I know you have money, but $250,000. And she says, Trace, let me tell you something. It's my money. You don't tell me how to spend yep. my money. Yep. And second of all, it was 258. And with taxes, it was 267, 267 altogether. So now I have an issue with my mother-in-law. And I wanted to ask you, Tom, I mean, you have two mother-in-laws. You have one that's sweet, beautiful, very nice, Amanda Young. And then you have the prickly one. That's the busybody, Mrs. Kravitz, always in your business. How should I deal with this? You know what? I got to tell you, I am with you on, um, I am with you on, uh, with her, I should say. Uh, in her point about, hey, look, it's my money. You know, uh, what was that famous book about uh, Die Broke? Remember that big book, New York Times bestseller right. written by a financial guy a number of years ago? I read that book, been a long time ago. 
Can't remember his name, right. but he's on TV all the time now. Uh, in essence, saying that, you know, if you're somebody that goes out and works your entire life and you've been smart with your money and now comes your time for retirement and the quote unquote golden years and all that kind of thing, your responsibility, according to him, is not to, to leave all this money for your kids, right? He said, hey, if she well, wants to go spend 267 on a brand new Porsche at 70 and bad knees. So what? First, first of all, I didn't even think Porsches cost that much money. I mean, I, well, I, didn't, I didn't know there video. was such it's, a car made that yeah, cost that much. It, 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 it's an incredible car, but it's so low to the ground. She has bad knees. By the way, you're talking about a good looking older woman, 70 years old. Oh she looks like God. Jacqueline Smith. I mean, I'm just saying for you people, <laughs> old bastards, maybe, maybe Casey's dad. I don't know. And she's single. <laughs> And she's single. So I don't know if it's a midlife crisis, but she corrected me. She's a very strong woman. I have a lot of respect for her. She just told me, mind your own business. Well, it's you know, it's mind. interesting. You're, you're talking about an attractive uh, woman in their 70s because, as you know, Tracer, I mean, you and I both know. You know, we've been around the block a time or two, right? Uh, normally, yeah, right. Uh, in places like Southern California, Scottsdale, Arizona, you know, sunny places, uh, whether it's a, a, a widow or whether it's a divorcee, whatever it might be, you know, most of the men her age are out there running around chasing the 30-year-olds, right? Yes. Doesn't that sound great? Boy, that sounds like fun. Yeah, I, I'll get there. I'll get there. As soon as I divorce today, I'm all over it. I'm all over. That's, you know, really, that, that got my interest going. Because let's let's face it, women go downhill so fast. Women have control of everything. And I love women. I have a lot of respect for women. But once they reach, uh, they get into the 30s, they get in those dirty 30s, it starts to go down. And it goes down really fast. Tom, you and I, we get better, right? We get funnier. We are great listeners. Women, and we have money. Of, well, I do. Yeah. And, and, but women like us, right? But it's kind of sad how women go downhill. And I, I just think it's got to be tough for a woman to grow old. I have a lot of respect for women, but it, but it's tough. But they control everything till about, what would you say, Tom? 35? And then all of a sudden it just starts, bam. Uh, I think it's gotten, I think that number has increased as, as uh, the generations have gone by. I mean, it, it, look, you just said your mother-in-law, she's hot. And she's 70. Well, I and believe I'm it or saying, not, there is such a thing. There are certain people in their 20s and 30s, like Paul's over here rolling on the ground, that I just said that. As you get to be a man in your 50s and 60s and 70s, you realize 60 and 70-year-old women can be unbelievably attractive. What the hell did you just say? You know, I have a lot of respect for you. As they say on the streets of LA. You were keeping it real for a while there, buddy, but you kind of got off track. For what? A 50 or 60 or 70 year old woman can be attractive? Go ahead, who are we talking about, Raquel Welch? <laughs> you just said Linda your mother-in-law. You're the one that said this, not me. For us, I will tell you, in her younger day, she looked exactly like Jacqueline Smith. 
Wow. And I like Jacqueline Smith, but that's my, you know, that's my wife's mom. And let's not even, that's disgusting. Yeah. I was getting so how say. should I, wait a minute. So how should I deal with my mother-in-law? You have issues with yours. And I'm not talking about the beautiful, sweet one. I'm talking about the prickly one, the academia, that one, the, the teacher, the liberal. How do you deal with her, Tom? You know, we and get Mrs. along. Great. We get along great. We have no issues. She really, even though she lives across the street, she's a phenomenal grandmother, great mom. He doesn't have her nose in our business all the time. She and I are cool. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I'm still the son-in-law, so there's always going to be that sort of thing. She's the mother-in-law. There's always going to be that, and that's for everybody. But yeah, yeah she's good. Hey, um, Paul, would you share with Tracy, uh, which you, uh, with obviously no life whatsoever, which you got up to watch on YouTube or something last oh, night? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so Tracy, I don't know if you saw this last night. So I was going to bed last night, and then right before I shut my laptop, I hopped onto YouTube, and I saw a live stream from L.A. of that police chase. Did you see that? There's you see police chase all the time, every day. Yeah. Probably twice a day. There was a, it was a, it was a, it was a car going 100 miles an hour down the freeway for about a half hour. It got off the exit where the Angels Stadium is in Disneyland. Okay. Drives drives yeah. through drives through a barricade at Angel Stadium. There's about six or seven cop cars following it. Does a Yui in the stadium because it realizes that it's a dead end and it's pitch black out and it can't see. Breaks down the barrier going the other way. Gets back on the freeway for 20 minutes going 100 miles an hour. And then eventually just stops on a bridge, gets out with their hands up, and the whole thing was over. It's the most anticlimactic Holy thing of all time. Yeah, here, here's the story on this, how it works in Los Angeles. So this guy causes accidents, probably hurt some people. So this guy was arrested, uh, went to jail for a half hour, and now he's out on the street. Yeah. That, that's how we work it with these. Tom, am I right on this? You know how Spot these on, 1,000%, no he's doubt about it. He's not spending time in jail. What about the guy that mowed down the, uh, the cadets about yeah. a month ago, yeah. right? He, yeah. he, he hurt like 10 of them. He was out in two hours. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't go to jail in L.A. You have got these idiot liberals walking around double masked. Here, here, let me. I'm at the beach, right, in Manhattan Beach. I'm just sitting there soaking up, working on my tan, working on my muscles. All that's doing a couple push-ups. I have my uh, banana hammock on, sitting there. And two girls, and two, Speedo, two girls walk by. They're about... 32 years old, weigh about 112 pounds. They got gone. Got mad. They got their muzzle on, as I like to say. Do you really think a girl that's 32 years old that is 112 pounds, both of them wearing a mask as they walk the beach? No. Look at Tom. No, no, no. I don't get it. Stupid. Right? I've got a niece. I've got a niece that she's had six booster shots. She's caught COVID twice. She's about as big a liberal. I mean, she's walking around with her flipper. Hey, how about time for a booster? Time for a booster. You know, walking around. She can't wait to get the booster. And yet she's had COVID twice. I mean, this is the craziness that I deal with when I'm in LA. I love you people. You people in Cincinnati. It's a great place. I will never move because I cannot deal with these crazy liberals. And my brother, I make fun of him. But he is a strong conservative, okay? We don't have many of those, right? Those people, my uh, sister-in-law, strong conservative. This is the home, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this thing, Ronald Reagan. You ever heard of Ronald Reagan? I have. He's from California. 
Yep. I mean, he this state well, he's actually gone, gone. not from California. He grew well, up in he's Illinois. No, he's, he's, not he's, not, he's not. He's not. He's not a. He's not a California guy. You got to be raised Richard in that Nixon. kind of thing. No, he was. Uh, yeah. Tom, we have something for Tracy here. We do. What is it? We we have something. I don't know if we showed you this, but we have something for Tracy. Tracy, you'll be able to see this. This is a video from okay. TikTok. This is a video from TikTok. We don't know this person. This is just somebody sent us this video uh, of somebody opening a pack of baseball cards. 1987 Donruss Baseball. Looking for Bonds, Bo Jackson, Larkin, Maddox, Wire, pretty much everybody. All right, see what we get. Oh, we got the Governor Jerry Brown's rated rookie. Nice. Wade Boggs, rest in peace. We got Eckersley, who oh, he's a Hall of Famer. Jim Traver, Ed Wozna, Alex Trevino, Tracy Jones, Jose <laughs> Gonzalez. Who Tracy just laughed Jones. there? Tracy Jones. Who thinks that was funny? Is that you, Polly, laughing? That is. is. That you, Casey, think well, no, that's cool Paul. That? Hey, Tracer, I don't know if you noticed, but this week we've added your card right here. Well, it's about time. It's about time. You got the old number 57. You know, that's, that goes for about 35 cents now. You know, Big it's time. Paul Fritchner's birthday. Now, Tracer, I asked him, um, you know, I mean, we know the debacle that was the Taylor Swift situation. Yes. Paul. Okay. Today is his birthday. So he had to jump through some serious hoops, as we mentioned, to make this whole Taylor Swift thing happen after initially dropping the ball. But now it's his birthday. And I asked him, I said, you know, so what do you got going on? Or, you know, maybe it's a surprise. And he says, well, I think, you know, we might have dinner or something. Now, Tracer, you and I both know that, um, you know, she's latching on to Paul and his big future that's ahead. He might be a ham and egger now. But one day, mm -hmm. he might be right up there with the Tracy Joneses. I doubt it, the but there's a possibility. Okay, so, <laughs> you know, what should he expect tonight? What is reasonable as a 26-year-old as of today? And your, your girlfriend is how old? 26. She's, she's, older, she's older than me. Okay, but she's still in school. But she's teaching. She's teaching school. So she gets out at a decent time. She's not working oh, yes, tonight. Yes, yes. She gets out of school. Yeah. Okay. Tracer, what should he be expecting? Well, I don't know what, sh what he should be expecting, but what I would want is something that I want, something that I like. Not what she likes, but what Paul likes. Paul, what do you like to do? Uh, let me throw out a suggestion. Let me just throw this out. This is Tom. I'm, don't I'm throwing this out as a suggestion, okay? What about an evening at... The brass ass. Now, don't go to the brass bowl across the street because they just had a murder there. I don't know if you guys read that. There was a murder at the brass bowl Saturday night. But I'm just saying, take your girlfriend, and if she becomes your wife, have them look at the girls of the brass ass. And he says, if you ever look like divorce you. How about that? That sounds like perfect advice. I really, honestly, Tracy, I don't know where that could go wrong. I think it's great. You know, I don't want to get into too many details. Tom, you're sitting there with your hand, arms folded. Listen, I don't want to. I'm not going there were a lot of things I thought you might throw his way. But a night at the brass ass 
was not near the top 10. I mean, where can you get that $13 warm beer than at the Brass Ass? They got a good buffet over there, you said, though. Yes, they do. Um, And they have that special dance, the 29 with mayonnaise. (laughs) Thanks, Tracy. I'll uh, I'll put it in the file. I'll follow that. I'll I'll follow that one away. We'll we'll see what happens. Let let me ask you, what what do you want to do? Do you just want to go out to dinner? Do you want to get birthday? Well, what are you looking to do? What what excites you? (laughs) Well, you know. Jeez, there is a, it's, it's a 26 great. years old. You know what I'm most excited about, Tracy? I'm most excited <laughs> as a 26 year old to find out if my health insurance works. That's what a 26 year old needs to figure out at this point in life. Well, let, let's hope it does. Let, let's hope it does. But you, you've got to want something. You've got to, you know, yeah, I mean, come on, Paul, be a, be a man here. He's asking you, he's, he's giving me, he's asking me, he's asking you a simple question. Like what when I want? asked Casey earlier, yeah. was he worried about the Browns? We went through three and a half minute monologue before we ever got to the answer. <laughs> so he has asked you a simple question. And that is, what does Paul Fritchner oh. want for his birthday today? Ah, oh, you know, simple question i just want a really good dinner that's all i want i think we're gonna have a roast beef i think we're gonna have some mashed potatoes some green beans maybe throw some onions in there i think that's dinner tonight and that's perfectly fine with me that is so special so special green beans and then you said had some onions like that's a big treat i'm gonna throw some onions in them my green beans and roast beef who eats roast beef you ham and egger (laughs) <laughs> you said it. That's exactly right. Jeez. Yeah, mix it, a, mix it a, a cowboy ribeye or something. Or oh. a filet. Just, and don't get choice. Get prime. Maybe wall Hitching Post would be a good spot for them, don't you? Well, let's get that plug in for my buddy Bronson Trevi. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's wall Hitching Post. Well, actually, get the Tracy Jones. That's the bone and ribeye. I've been there. That's a high-level place. Lizzie and I went there. Oh, that's a big league joint now. There's no doubt about it. That is big. Are they still serving that famous uh, fried chicken over there? That was what they were known for for a long, long time is their fried chicken. Fried chicken, and they've got that really good rye bread. Oh, love rye bread. Love it. Love it. very underrated, isn't it? Yes. Love rye bread. All right, look, I want to get to something serious for a minute, Tracer, because you <laughs> and I go to? back and you and I go back and forth a lot about baseball yeah. and the state of baseball. Okay. Tracy, I am all for guys making as much money as they can possibly make. Anybody. I don't care what you do for a living. But Tracy, there is no hope for most of the major league teams anymore. We are one day into the baseball winter meetings. You've got big market Philadelphia, Trey Turner, 11 years, 300 million. Big market New York City, two years, 87, 88, whatever it is, million for Verlander. Uh, You got Kershaw staying with the Dodgers for over 20 million a year. Uh, You got the White Sox, big market, bringing in Clevenger from San Diego. Um, when they talk about, and we're not even talking about Aaron Judge and the rest of these guys that are expected to make Ooh. the big, big money. Tracy, for over half the teams, there's no hope. None. No hope. N-U-N, none. And that is a problem for baseball. 
It's a huge problem for baseball because you look at the 84 million Verlander and Trey Turner 300. Reds are never going to fork out a, a Joey Votto type contract. They did that one time and that turned out to be a mistake, I think. But it just goes, the Reds are never going to be able to compete. Compete, And that's why I like football, the whole stru the financial structure, where there's a lot of parity, right? They give you so much money, you have to spend it. Good teams turn out to be bad teams, bad teams, good teams the following year. I don't know what baseball is going to do because you look at it, Tom, there's about 15 teams that can spend money and there's 15 teams that can't spend money. And here's the problem with baseball. I don't mind those guys making money. But those costs are passed through with $8 beer, you know, $5 bag of peanuts. I go to the movies and I see Tom Cruise, uh, Top Gun, right? Yep. I'm not paying the $40 million for, for Tom Cruise's salary or when he's getting paid for the movie, right? More people go to the movie, Tom Cruise makes money, or he's got a set amount. But with baseball, as those salaries go up, us fans pay for it right in certain part of that with higher cost listen to this at uh, my brother went to a, a san diego charger game at la at their new stadium parking do you know how much it was tom a hundred dollars wow hundred a hundred dollars to park your car i mean besides my mother-in-law who could afford that i wouldn't pay it no parking? i wouldn't do it a hundred we complain we complain in Cincinnati, isn't it twenty, twenty-five dollars? Yeah, if even that, uh -huh. I'm not even sure it's that much. I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, when I've gone, I've not been to a baseball game in, th in in two and a half years. But, but, um, but I have been downtown to football games and that kind of thing and paid. And you, you know, the the thing is, you can find in a place like Cincinnati, you can find great places to park, and it's easy to walk really anywhere downtown if you don't mind walking, and you can find some cheap stuff. But I just, you know, I. There's a part of me, Tracy, where, where my heart is, it, it really just continues little by little just to continue to break in half over what's going on in baseball. I, I just, I, I really, it, it makes me sick. Uh, and so I, don't say that, I don't say it kidding around. Um, right. I, I just, it, it makes me sick to think that, and I could go through a laundry list of teams, and I know there'd be somebody out there that would say, oh, the Reds can afford it to go do what, you know, this team and that team. And it. No, they can't. No, they can't. No. They cannot. So what's the solution? Is it revenue sharing? I mean, that's the only solution. Well, the, the solution has to be more of a combination of revenue sharing and salary cap. Because, look, baseball is the only of the major four sports. Yeah. Is the You're only right. one without a salary. And I just wonder, the second you say those two words, salary cap, I mean, you know it as well as I do, Tracy. You're, you, you were a union member forever, right? And you're still getting a pension from yeah. it. I mean, the freaking antennas go up, and there is no conversation that's going to move forward in any form or fashion from that second on. And I just wonder... Um, if the rank-and-file guys, not the Turners, not the Kershaws, not the Verlanders, not the Vados, not those guys, I wonder when the day will come, if it will ever come, and I'm asking you, where finally the overwhelming majority, which are the rank-and-filers, that are trying to get their two or three or four years in, or good Lord will intend to max out on the pension, when they're finally going to say, guys, to the leadership, union leadership, we have got to consider a conversation that involves revenue sharing and salary cap.
You know what's funny? We do this show and there's a lot of joking around. But you know, actually, when we start talking serious, we make some really good points. And I'll tell you what's happening in baseball, and you made that point. You've got the Trey Turners making this, okay? And But you're wiping out a lot of guys in the middle. I don't know if you see that, but you're getting a lot of the guys with arbitration eligible. All of a sudden, they aren't offered contracts. And you see a lot of these players just push to the side. So you have this and you have this. And they're wiping out these guys. And what they're doing, too, is they're bringing these guys up pretty fast from the minor leagues, the good players, and they're judging them. Can they make a difference? And if you can't make a difference, you're out. You're not going to have a guy spend 10 years in the big leagues because he's a good utility infielder. That's not going to happen anymore. They are wiping out the middle guys. And no one's really talking about Yates, you know, Verlander, Trey Turner. But, you know, the Reds have those guys, middle-of-the-road guys. They're out. They're out looking for a job. So you make a good point, Tom. All right, Tracer. It's always a uh, pleasure. Uh, you, you actually didn't even get a chance to say hello officially to Casey, uh, the other half of the Ham and Eggers, or uh, Brandon Seho, the dunce who's over there with his head, headset on. But uh, I know they would want to at least say hello. Yeah. Hello, hello Tracy. Casey, I'm, what I'm going to do for you, and I actually have this video, and I meant to send it to you, I took a video of me in first class, and I just want you to get a feeling of what it's like, because you'll never experience your ham and egger. You poor bastards will never feel what it's like to sit in first class. And here they come, you know, with their muzzles on, you know, the, the Joe Biden voters on the plane. And I tell them, get your butt back to the back of the plane. So I've got that video, and I will send you another video of of my mother-in-law's Porsche. Oh, I better I see that. Two, isn't that something? That hey, something. by the way, what do you think of, real quick, uh, let's see a shot of Brandon Seho. He's growing this silly mustache for some reason um, about the Bengals. What are your thoughts of that That's look good. on him? What do you think, Tracy? It's a horrible look. He can barely <laughs> fill it in. It looks like a little Hitler mustache. Actually, that's not a good look. Not a good look. No, not a good look. <laughs> not a good look. You know All right, Tracer. It's Tom Brenneman with that hoodie. I'm going to wear my hoodie. I, I got one hoodie. I'm going to wear it on Thursday. You don't need one. You're going to be in Southern California. You don't need a hoodie. No, I'm leaving tonight. No, I'm leaving tonight. I'm flying back. Oh. Are, are you yeah, flying, I'm flying back tonight? Yes, of course. Come on. That's a stupid question. Are you yes, flying, flying on the red eye? The red eye, I get into Cincinnati at 6, maybe 5 o'clock. I'm coming back on a train in a week because Danae says it's time for you to have another vacation. And I'm taking the train up through North Dakota, all the way, this is a true story, all the way down to Santa Barbara. And then we get off, take an uh, Uber to my uh, mother-in-law, I think, uh, her place on the beach. So it'll be another vacation <laughs> for three weeks. But I will send video of that too, so... I will well, be in I, You know, I, I got to tell you, I think the train thing sounds really cool. Some people don't like it, Tom. It, I it's would love really to not. do it. I mean, I've wanted to do it, that on a cross-country train, and I've wanted to do, and I keep trying to talk my wife into mm -hmm. wanting to go along with it. I want to rent a Winnebago, and I want to drive. I love driving. I'm yeah. a big driving guy. I'd love to, to make that drive in the spring or summer months that you're talking about in a Winnebago. Well, we take the train. We get, get take it in Cincinnati Grand Central Station right up to Chicago. 
and then all the way across. We've done it low to you know Colorado, uh, New Mexico. Now we're going up and across. It's really great. Pretty good food. We have our own suite. It's it's pretty small, but very affordable. Four days. Uh, I think it's like thirty five hundred. Very inexpensive vacation. Well, that's for nice. most people, not the Ham and Eggers. I, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about Polly and you know Casey. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about guys that are up here, like my mother-in-law. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see that Porsche. Uh, I Swear can't to wait. God, you'll see. All right, we'll get some yeah. video of that. All right. And uh, are you going to get video of her? She's uncomfortable being seen on the program, or or how's that work? Should I try? Well, I mean, I, I just would like for her to maybe add a few words uh, for our program. I, I mean, I keep asking you to have Danae on. She won't come on. So why not get her mom to come on? You know, I'll give it a try. I'll, okay. I'll, I swear, I'll give it a try. Now, this is a 70-year-old woman, but you can imagine what she was a hot piece of you-know-what back when she was younger. Okay, we'll file that away. Tracer, great to see you, buddy. All right. Safe travels back you guys tonight. On Thursday. All right, Thank Tracy you. Jones, best 30 minutes of television, fellas. A lot of advice there, a lot going on. He always has the right things to say. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you still drinking regular water, if you haven't noticed? Alkaline water has been shown to have superior hydration benefits versus regular water, and this is in clinical studies. There's a new premium alkaline water out. It's called Pani. And they're right across the street here in downtown Hamilton. They use natural limestone filtration, unlike artificial processing that many other brands use. It's a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. It's called P-A-H-H, spelled P-A-H-H-N-I. So visit their website, P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water at a store near you. We thank them for being a proud sponsor of the program. Do we have, we've run over a... Um, the cherry on top was the Tracy Jones yeah. card opening. Which, you know, it's funny. When you went through that list, one of the funniest human beings that I've ever been around was like the fourth card that he went through there, a guy named Jim Traber. He was my broadcast partner in Arizona for two years doing the Diamondbacks. He has the highest rated radio sports talk show in the United States of America out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and has forever. He was a starting quarterback when Jimmy Johnson was the head football coach at Oklahoma State, and he was a star baseball player at Oklahoma State, played in the big leagues like seven, eight years, Baltimore, a couple others, but a really uh, – Awesome dude, funny guy. Now that's a guy we're going to get on the program sometime because he, he is outrageous. If you think Tracy's outrageous, Tracy ain't in the same league with this guy. Right before we go off, Sean Miller at 1130 tomorrow. How about that? Leader of men. I told you I'd come through for you. So we have Wes Miller at what time? 11? Yep. And we have Sean Miller. You know what? Sean, thank you. Wes, thank you. Paul, thank you. Brandon, thank you. We really appreciate those guys. I know there are other shows that are a lot bigger than this show. Uh, I, I, we kid around a lot uh, about a lot of things. But, look, there, there are, there's a lot of demands on their time. 
I hope everybody knew I was totally jabbing Paul about the whole Sean Miller thing because I'm a big Sean Miller fan. I think he's a phenomenal basket, phenomenal basketball coach. Um, but, but, but let's face it, um, this is a startup show. There are a lot of other places uh, that they would get more out of, for lack of a better term. But uh, thanks to their relationship and the way they feel about you two guys, obviously, uh, we appreciate uh, their time tomorrow. So we'll have Marty Brenneman on at 10.15 tomorrow. And then starting at 11, we'll get 30 minutes from uh, Wes Miller, head coach at UC, 11.30, with Sean Miller, head coach at Xavier, as the Crosstown Shootout is coming up on Saturday. So thanks to all, Casey, Paul, Brandon, all of you. Big numbers today dialed in. So to USA veteran, we always say, he wants to know if Pete Rose is coming on. We will have Pete on. You can, you can take it to the bank. Everett, Sir Boy Wonder, the player formerly known as Mousecott, <laughs> Lure Up, uh, Don, always great insight, Anonymous, Jordan, uh, thousands of others, Sean, uh, AJ, we thank you all. Everybody have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow at 10. Big day tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day.